find the joy that you can in the work that you're doing, put yourself into it, be the best that you can be, and try to get the most out of that experience. Make it a rich learning experience. This is the Level Up Together podcast, a place to talk about building better relationships, leveling up your business and life, and living a life you've always wanted. While it's not easy, it's definitely worth it. So if that sounds like your sort of thing, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Tasha Baird-Miller, and this is Level Up Together. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another Level Up Together podcast. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm a corporate leader and an executive coach whose passion is to inspire and educate women on how to build better relationships, level up your business and life, and live a life you've always wanted. I'm excited to share that today's episode is sponsored by my Elite Executive Coaching Experience. In my Elite Executive Coaching Experience, we cover topics like getting clarity and vision, improving productivity and energy, leading with purpose, creating high-performance habits, and mastering your resilience. If you're ready to level up your business and life, book your free discovery call today at www.theredtulip.com. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Now let me share some insight into today's episode. I had the pleasure of speaking with Brinley Lear. Brinley started her career in financial services, working with an industry pioneer, Charles Schwab, where she held various roles across operations, trading, retirement services, to providing financial advice as a wealth manager. From her first job to her current role, she has consistently worked with industry innovators, having held senior legal roles at eBay, PayPal, and Ripple before joining C-Labs as general counsel. Currently, she is the general counsel of C-Labs, a blockchain company that contributes to Celo, an open source platform designed for connectivity and financial inclusion for the 1.7 billion unbanked adults in the world. Brinley is passionate about bridging the wealth gap and helping to support small businesses, which are the backbone of our economy. She is a frequent speaker on topics including blockchain, cryptocurrency, and financial inclusion. She is a single mother of two boys and a former foster parent who is a board member of SFC ASA. She is also a member of Chief, the Women's Professional Peer Group Network. When not working, you will often find her out in the mountains. You can find Brinley's full bio in the podcast show notes at www.theredtulip.com. I truly enjoyed speaking with Brinley, and I'm confident you'll get some great takeaways from our conversation. Now let's dive into this episode. Hi, Brinley. How are you? Great. Great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have you on today's show. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. Good. Good. Well, one of the things that I have discovered about you is that you have had quite the interesting career journey. <laughs> you are, you're the youngest of seven, and you grew up on a farm in a small town. You had a dream to attend Columbia. But after being there for a while, you decided it just wasn't the right place for you. So tell me, how did your educational and career journey evolve after that? Yeah, um, boy, it's going way, way back. I mean, to be fair, the, when you say small town, that hardly does it justice. I mean, we're talking about 495 people on a good day. I mean, it's a really small town. And when I would 
when I had the dream to attend Columbia, I mean, really, I had a dream to just get to a city, which now I've mm-hmm. done in my adult life. But the the, the core of your question, um, my educational and career journey, um, I think maybe it's similar to many of us in that, you know, depending on where you are in your life, you may not have a lot of options. And when I was 19 and 20, actually 18, 19 and 20, I didn't have a lot of career options. I hadn't finished my college degree. I was smart and plucky, but, you know, it it was a hard job market. And it's not like I had my choice of how I wanted my life to go. And so I think really what I did was I, I took the the best job that I could get. And I tried to get the most out of it as I could, right? I love to learn. I love to be engaged. Uh, and I want to have a richness in my life. And I think that was true even when I was much younger. And so even though I didn't have my choice of jobs and it wasn't, it wasn't like I made the, the decision based on what, um, what lit me up or what my overall dreams were, I took the job that I could get and I got the most out of it and made it work for me as best as I could. And I think, you know, I think that that's not such a bad way to to go when you have limited options. And that is, you know, find the joy that you can in the work that you're doing, put yourself into it, be the best that you can be and try to get the most out of that experience, make it a rich learning experience. Because when you leave and you go to your next job, that experience goes with you, right? That's yours. Um, you earn money for sure, but how you show up and what you get from that experience, you take to the next and the next. And, you know, now, years later, decades later, um, I think about my work now and I'm in this highly innovative space. I'm a lawyer. I get to work on really interesting things. But what I carry with me and how I look at problems and solve problems and gather information I didn't learn how to do that in law school. I didn't learn how to do that on the job, at least not fully. I mean, how I go about my work today really goes back to even what I learned on the farm and what I learned when I was very young. So that's a that's a long and windy uh, answer to your question. Um, but I think when you ask, how did your education and career journey evolve? Windy. It was a windy road like all of us, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't uh, rich and full of experiences. Yeah, I love that you um, you know, were so transparent with your journey and that you shared that you really learned something new from each experience. Yeah. And I tell my kids all the time, your experiences teach you the things that you know you'll love and the things that maybe you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And each is equally important because it guides you to the next experience in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree with that. I think the where we need to worry is where we're not engaged. So even if you don't like the experience, or you might even like the experience. It's okay. But if you find yourself sort of on the sidelines and sort of watching that experience or watching that job and not fully engaged, that disengagement, it has a real psychological effect. And I would say that's that's the thing to, to avoid, right? Even if you hate something, you can still dive in and do it. It doesn't matter if you love it or hate it. You still have to do it. So you might as well just jump in and give it your all. I tell my kids this mm-hmm. and they 
do not listen. They think it's outrageous, but um, that, that's my kernel of wisdom. We have to remember that we were like them once upon a time too, when our parents were trying to tell us things and we would, you know, suggest otherwise until we get to where we are today, we can look back and say, oh yeah, that's what that Yeah. Meant. Although I'm the youngest of seven, I don't think my parents told me anything. Like there was, there was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing left to parent me. They were worn yeah, out. Exactly. exactly. That's <laughs> great. So you mentioned that you love working with innovative companies. Um, you actually tend to seek them out um, in your kind of on your journey. So how did you get to the role that you're in today and, and what makes them so attractive to you? Oh, I mean, I feel like I'm so I was so lucky to find my work at C-Labs. So before the, the current role that I have, I was a general counsel at a blockchain company and a blockchain company that had been around for quite a while. And when I was leaving that company, uh, I loved the deep learning that I had in the, the few years that I was there. Actually, it was two years. So the couple of years I was there, I loved the deep learning and going into the technology and really understanding blockchain and blockchain platforms what I was hoping to find, but didn't think really existed, was, you know, would there be a company or project that would let me keep learning about this technology, but really brought it to real use cases? So this is what I love about blockchain. I think it can do so many innovative and great things. But until it becomes accessible to everyone, until we realize like, oh, Blockchain, it's not just about Bitcoin. It's about um, making payments easier for uh, the unbanked population of the world, which is substantial, right? It's not just about Bitcoin. It's about uh, micro lending and universal basic income payments to the world's very poor, or it's about community innovation. Until it becomes accessible, we're really not going to get to the heart of what it can be. So when I was leaving Ripple, I, or my last company, I was really thinking like, is there, uh, is there a project that brings this really innovative technology, but actually makes it accessible and usable to, to real people? And that's when I found these folks working on Cello. When I joined, it was just a you know, a couple of handfuls of people, like it wasn't very many people. It was an idea. I joined at the ground floor and I was able to really go through the journey and help with even the design of this open, permissionless global technology, which was really cool because when we designed it, it wasn't, it wasn't this approach of we're a Silicon Valley company. We're going to build something and push it out. It wasn't like that at all. It was we need to learn about how the world works and we need to understand the experiences of at least some of the many people who might use this platform and design something so that when it's out there, it can be picked up and used by people around the world. But more importantly, it can be used as a platform in which different communities around the world can build what works for them. And so early days, we were working on this project, but also taking research trips to Kenya and Colombia and Argentina and Tanzania and really understanding, trying our best to understand what some of the user experiences might be, and then, you know, building as a team to see if we can deliver a platform that, again, at its best, it is not one 
entity or company or even a handful of companies building on it. It really is the ideas that are coming up in communities around the world specific for them. And that's where I think you get this, you know, this is where I think the possibilities of blockchain are really interesting. When you have a decentralized system, lots of innovation, lots of different pockets of innovation, lots of competition, a sharing of, you know, the the power of the network, it's shared among many as opposed to concentrated in the hands of a few. I mean, this is where blockchain gets really, really interesting. So what ways are you using to to broaden the awareness and make it more accessible to others? Yeah, I mean, one, it's an open and permissionless technology. And so it really is open to anyone. I work with entrepreneurs around the world who want to build on the platform. And so I can help them um, really understand what it is they need for their business to build their business on the Cello platform. Um, but it's open and permissionless, which means that, you know, the information is out there and readily available to anyone who wants to pick it up. We're also seeing that there are grants to build on the platform. And um, in terms of investors, there are investors available and interested in investing in companies that are building on these platforms, companies around the world, which is really exciting. What type of investors do you work with? Yeah, in terms of investors that um, I work with, well, even personally, I am um, investing in companies that I I feel really strongly about um, that are building on this platform. So one is uh, a company that is engaging in micro work, enabling micro work in, in Kenya, in communities in Kenya, which I think is really interesting. Um, but we're seeing a lot of different um, investors that are interested in supporting these very small seed ventures from around the world. And actually, this is maybe a tangent, but something that I think is really interesting as part of you know, the aftermath or what we're living through with this pandemic is how much easier it is to connect with people around the world in a way that is now seeming very natural. And so, you know, when I think about my day, it's pretty natural to have meetings from meetings with folks in the United States, for sure. Um, but just, you know, it's about 10 a.m. on um, on Thursday morning in California, when I look back, my day started, uh, my first call was someone in Germany, my next call was an all hands that brought in people from around the world. My next call was someone in Argentina. I mean, this is, it's very natural. And that's just my typical Thursday morning. Um, it's so natural now just to have these connections with people that are just in a really different place than we are. And that means that we can connect and learn about each other and ideally invest in each other's ideas. So I'm seeing that more and more. Yeah, I 100% I agree uh, with the fact that technology has really increased and enhanced the possibilities mm -hmm. for more dialogue and communication mm -hmm. and connection um, mm -hmm. around the world. I have teams that are in India and Poland and it is very natural for us to have a conversation with them, just as it would be someone you yeah, know, here in Chicago. Exactly. Exactly. The pandemic has been hard, no question. I, I hope that how the parts that have brought us together, I hope that we hold on to those those parts. I think in, initially, uh, you know, we felt a, mm -hmm. a sense of loss because um, you know our world was shaken so abruptly, and change mm -hmm. happened so quickly. 
Um, but the reality is um, it gave us opportunity to be creative um, and to actually invent something that is um, even better I than hope it was so. before. I, I hear that. I see that. And I hope that we hold on to that. So I'm curious, um, just being in that innovative space and um, also being an investor, um, both um, from your business perspective as well as personally, what is your view on taking risks and how do you think that has impacted mm-hmm. your career path? I mean, just when you say taking risks, like the, the, my first reaction is um, to resist that word risk. But let's come back to that because, I mean, we could say maybe it's not risk so much as um, I'm interested in growing and changing and, you know, to grow and change, we have to embrace risk. We have to embrace the unknown. Um, if you want the most out of your life and you want to grow the, the most that you can, I mean, you you really have to be open to to the to stepping into the unknown. That said, I think I feel much more comfortable with risk now in my later years and later in my career than I did early on. And probably that's because I didn't have as many choices early on. But now that I'm older, especially, mm-hmm. I I love change. Like I I seek it out. I I look for things that will make me uncomfortable. I sign up for things that I know will make me uncomfortable, um, that I will regret, you know, in the few minutes before I have to do it. But that's that's what life is all about. I mean, this is probably, this is how I do it and whether or not it's recommended, uh, you know, we'll leave that up to the listener. Um, but I often sign myself up, my future self. I'm not always kind to my future self because I sign up my future self for all sorts of things that I think, oh yeah, that's going to be good. That'll be good for us. But knowing that when future <laughs> self becomes present self, like it's super uncomfortable. But if I don't do that, then I I feel like I run the risk of, living a life where I'm not as engaged and challenged. And that's a, that's not, that's not how I want to live. Do you find that when you do that, that yeah. in the present self that your, um, your, your feeling of uncomfortableness or, you know, even fear is really just temporary. And once you delve into it, you're like, let's go. Oh, yeah. I mean, really absolutely. Absolutely. And it gets, I mean, here's here's the benefit is that every time you sign up for something and you move through and you do it, it becomes less scary. And so it just becomes more natural. But in that moment before you step in and do something new, oh, yeah, when future self and present self meet, I mean, they're not friends for a minute, but then, you know, they they move forward and they make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't think of a time, even times when I've signed up for things that uh, I've kind of bombed. Um, I can't think of a time where I say, uh, I, I really regret doing that because the experience was still good. And if you're not pushing yourself to do hard and scary things, I feel like, you know, you're missing out. I mean, maybe there's also something else too, in terms of taking a risk and thinking back in, um, you know, when I was earlier in my career, when, you know, I didn't have maybe as as many options available to me. Um, you can also think about, and you know, I was the the sole breadwinner of, or the main breadwinner of my family, and I had young kids. Like, I, I wasn't in a place where I could take a lot of career risks, certainly. And so, there's another thing you can do when you find yourself in that position, and that is just looking for all the opportunities you have available where you are. 
So earlier in my career, when I went to eBay and PayPal, um, that was a that was a comfortable place to be. I got my salary. I knew what was expected, but I didn't stop there. Right? I would look for opportunities within that company. I raised my hands for things that were outside of my, you know, strict subject matter domain. Um, and so there are ways that you can take um, risks. I guess you could still call it, but there are ways that you can take less scary risks depending on where you are in your life. It's really looking for those opportunities and raising your hand for them. Yeah, there is a, a sense of doing um, or taking on more of a controlled um, risk where you, you know mm-hmm. where your boundaries are um, and you know mm-hmm. you can't get too far off track, uh, but you're willing to press forward mm-hmm. uh, just to have mm-hmm. that experience. Right. So you've had a, a, an array of different experiences. As you look back at all of them, what would you say were some of your biggest learnings or takeaways? And what advice would you give to young professionals who are you know, entering college or, um, or even you know, into their college experience and, and um, soon to be entering? Yeah, it's world? really no experience is wasted. So going back to where we started, if you find yourself in a job that is not your favorite in an industry that maybe you didn't choose, um, you know, ideally you can find that thing that really lights you up, but it and get there, really look at where you are and see, you know, are there things that you can learn if you're in an industry that you never expected to be. Where I started my career, I was a stockbroker. I I never wanted to be a stockbroker. I never thought about being a stockbroker. It was a totally different world. And yet I was there. I could learn. I could learn the area of finance. I could learn to it to meet with clients and help them understand their portfolio. That was way out of my comfort zone. I was giving investment seminars in the office uh, when I was maybe 20 years old. That took me way out of my comfort zone. But you can get a lot from even, even a position that you didn't choose. So think about what you can do right now where you are. Um, in terms of the biggest learnings that I've had, um, I think they've all come from you know, big decisions that I didn't feel ready for. So I I even think going back to my first job out of law school, or actually still in law school as a summer associate, and then um, going back to that firm, I was meeting with lots of different law firms. And there was one law firm where I felt just inadequate, actually. I mean, I I met with the lawyers there and all of them were just extraordinary. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I am way out of my league. These, these folks are so much smarter and talented than I am. And that's where I went, right? I mean, the place that really made me uncomfortable where I thought, I don't know if I belong, that's what I chose. And that was, you know, that was signing up future self as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But how lucky that I did that because that's where mm-hmm. the growth was. Those those colleagues, my colleagues that I had there made me better and made me feel like I became the lawyer that I wanted to be. I became the lawyer that I saw that they were, um, that intimidated me at first. So really thinking about, you know, what are the biggest challenges? It's really those moments where we think, I don't know if I can 
do this. I think maybe I have bitten off more than I can chew. That's where that's where the biggest learnings come from. Yeah, the biggest learnings yeah. and the biggest growth come from where you are stretched so mm -hmm. far out of your comfort zone that you're not sure you can get back exactly. to where you started. It's a great thing. Um, which is a good thing. So, so as a working mom, how do you balance home life and your career? You know, it, it is, I think it's always hard to balance career and parenting. And I think mothering, we're not to a point yet. I hope that we get there, but we're not yet to a point where we um, don't put a whole lot onto our moms that we maybe don't to our dads, right? Um, it's very gendered. Uh, I want this to change, but the reality is, is that, um, I think moms are doing more moms continually do more. And it's not even just, uh, the, the household labor. It is the, the planning, the thinking, the emotional care, the, the, you know, organizing it's the mental load and the emotional load and the physical load, it's all of it. And coming out of the pandemic, I mean, we see it with the numbers of how many women left the workforce. I mean, this is, it's serious. It's serious. So how do you balance career and home life? Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think there's an easy answer other than be as kind as you can to yourself. It's going to be ugly in moments and enjoy the sweet moments when you have them, right? I mean, at its best, when I am doing work that is inspiring to me and I feel like I am making a difference, when I end my workday, we'll put end in quotes because nothing really ends uh, for our workdays now, but at the end of my workday, I don't feel exhausted. I, I feel excited. I feel excited. And I, my kids see that, right? They see how I engage in my work. Um, they see that I make a difference in the world. I think that's really important. And I, I try to make my time with them as, as, as quality oriented as I can um, to know that when I'm with them, so that they know that when I'm with them, I'm, them, I'm with them. Um, but gosh, it's really hard. It's really hard as a working parent when you know, you have your your family time in the evening, but you're getting messages that you need to respond to from your your work colleagues because you have a really important role. Um, that's hard. And my kids see that. And I try to explain and that, you know, they're still the most important to me. But those are hard moments. Those are those are moments where, you know, working moms, especially where the role conflict is just the most acute. You know, those moments when you are cooking dinner, you're on a conference call, you're trying to set the table, you are trying to figure out where your children are, your pets are, you know, on the loose. I mean, you have these moments and it's, you, you want to just, you know, scream out because it's too much to manage. Um, that's when it all comes together. And you, this is our reality. Unfortunately, this is our reality. And those moments are really, really hard. Um, and I think the best thing we can do is just know that we're, we're all experiencing those moments. And hopefully they're more temporary than long term. 
But those are hard, hard moments if you're trying to balance parenting and work. Uh, that said, kids grow up really fast and it, I wouldn't trade uh, the choices that I've made to stay engaged in my work. I wouldn't change those. I think it's really important that I have my work and my boys see that and my daughter sees that. Um, but I think we don't have a great way to yet. I don't think we have a great way to give moms the kind of deep support that we need to deliver to them. The Marshall plan for moms. I'm liking that idea. We need to do something. We definitely need to do something. And I think it starts with, you know, professional women um, reminding each other that it's okay not to be perfect. Um, it's okay to um, be, you know, the great mom that you can be and to have a great career. So I have three questions mm -hmm. I love to ask um, my guests. So I'm going to start with the first one, which is we all want to leave a mark on the world. What uh, is your I would love to leave, to leave a legacy that blockchain technology is enabling our world to be better in new and unexpected ways. I would love it that if my work led to a better future, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be blockchain technology, I suppose, but I, I would love for my legacy to be felt in how we, we participate in our communities and how we protect our planet and that there's some part of that that goes back to how we've designed our technology to better work together. The second one is, where do you get your inspiration and motivation? Where do I get my inspiration and motivation? Um, you know, I think like anyone, it really goes in cycles. And there are some moments in my life that I feel really inspired and others where it's just harder. And so where I get my inspiration, I love to be getting information from lots of different places. I'm a big reader. I love to read all different types of books. I love podcasts. I like to listen to podcasts that are just about really different people and experiences and things that are outside of what I do day to day. So I would say getting lots of information from lots of varied places is how I stay inspired because it keeps my mind working and expanded as much as possible. Uh, so that's that's the biggie is new information through reading and listening to experts. That's how I get excited and motivated. All right. My third question actually relates to the name of this podcast. So I started Level Up Together um, to create connection and community amongst women who are ready to level up their business mm -hmm. and life. And we're looking for strategies and support mm -hmm. from other like-minded women on how to have it all. Yeah. And so I'm curious. Um, I think about you? the quote of, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And how much that really is resonating with me hmm. now in my life. Um, you know, I am a an efficient, hard worker. I do like to go fast. But wow, when I think about the meaning of life and the legacy I want to create and the richness of how I want to live. I, I want to, I want to be creating with people. I want to be moving together and that comes in all sorts of forms, right? It is, you know, I spend time with my neighbors. I check in with my neighbors. I love my, my 
physical community, that is really important to me. My friendships, really important to me. My work friendships, really important to me. Um, and so I think leveling up is, it's about, you know, engaging with all of the communities that we are a part of in every moment, right? It's not, there's not one community. It is really, you know, we are always a part of an evolving community and really being tied into that and really appreciating that and doing your part so that that community is that much more rich because of your presence. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And as always, anything mentioned, any links, any notes, those will all be over on the redtulip.com in the podcast section of our website. So just head on over there and take a look. If you haven't connected yet with me personally, I would love to meet you. Come find me on Instagram at theredtulip underscore and send me a DM. Let me know you listened to this episode and let me know what you thought. Or come to the Level Up Together Facebook page and say hello. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Thanks for being brave. Thanks for being amazing. And thanks for being you. I can't wait to chat next time.